Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 5th, 2019, including a cheaper, discless, next-generation Xbox is still in the works, according to rumors. Halo Reach is officially out on Xbox One and PC, YouTube is changing some of their strict policies set on gaming content, and more. So earlier this week, you know, part of Black Friday, Xbox did their typical same thing they do every year where uh, during Black Friday or the week of rather all controllers are on sale. So like your standard $60 Xbox controllers are 40 bucks. And I kind of knew I was going to do this like long before Black Friday. I just knew like I need a Bluetooth controller so I can test out Project X Cloud because I somehow made it through this entire console generation only using like the OG Xbox One controllers that don't have Bluetooth in them. So I finally caved during this week and just said, screw it for 40 bucks. I'll get myself one of those up to date, modern Bluetooth enabled Xbox One controllers so I can use it on my phone and on my computer so I can test out, you know, Project X Cloud on my phone and some Xbox Game Pass on my PC and just kind of see what that's all about. So that should be coming in the mail, honestly, like literally any minute now. So next week I'll be able to hopefully discuss a little bit about my experiences testing out Project X Cloud since I was accepted into the open beta or whatever it is, um, but I just haven't had a controller to really use it yet. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. I'm actually really excited to kind of test out Project X Cloud and see what that's like, especially considering all the positive feedback the service has been getting. Aside from that, of course, we'll start this week's episode with what I've been playing, and I've just had a crazy hectic week. I feel like I say that every week, but this past week I really just did have a crazy week, and I just haven't really played much. Uh, so it's been a lot more keeping up with the news and a lot less actually playing video games. That being said, I did manage to find a couple hours here or there to play some more Jedi Fallen Order, which I'd say I'm on like the last third of the game by now. And I will be honest, I was very enthusiastic about it when I started playing the game and when it first came out. And now I'm just starting like that enthusiasm is slowly starting to wane. I don't know if it's because I'm just I've just been very busy and I haven't been in the headspace to really enjoy a you know meaty single player game. Or if it's just that the game has begun to maybe overstay its welcome. That's really not something I can really dictate or kind of, you know, come to a solid conclusion on until well after I've finished the game and kind of removed myself from it. But I will say the game is like objectively a good game. However, at this point, I'm just kind of a little like weary on the on the gameplay loop. I, I still think the combat's great. I still think the exploration's great and everything. But there are some elements of the game that just kind of become a gripe at this point, like I've kind of just embraced the whole I don't like that this game tries to have like serious and kind of difficult combat. So I'm just at this point where I'm like, I'll play it on an easier difficulty because I just wish it were more of a platformy hack and slash rather than like part platformer, part, you know, super serious narrative driven game, part Dark Souls, just all this combination of things. I, I wish it was a little more straightforward in what it is mechanically. And so I've just been playing on an easier difficulty to not have to focus on the combat that much, especially considering, you know, melee combat's never really my favorite aspect of any game. I mean, when it comes to combat in video games, that's why I usually defer to the first-person shooters. When it comes to third-person stuff, I'm more into more of traversal mechanics and platforming, which is why, you know, when it comes to third-person games, my favorite games are like Mario and Spider-Man because those are games where it's all about traversal, right? 
as opposed to combat. So whatever, that's just how I've been enjoying the game. And I don't really feel like I had to justify it. I'm just enjoying it the way I'm enjoying it. And it's uh, like I said, I'm getting there. Aside from that, the only the other thing is the more I play it, the more I realize this game has a lot of like little itty bitty technical hiccups and like kind of graphical inconsistencies. It just seemed like there's a like another layer of polish this game needed before it was really ready to get out the door that just didn't get. And I wonder if, you know, there was kind of a rush to maybe get it out in time for maybe the new Star Wars movie coming out in a few weeks or just EA needed a big game to kind of wrap up the the holiday season. Or I don't really know what the reason was, but it seemed like this game just needed a little extra layer of polish. And it's kind of unheard of or just maybe, I don't know, I just wouldn't expect a game that's anything less than fully polished from Respawn Entertainment. That being said, the game by no means is like a buggy, broken mess. I feel like some people have kind of painted it that way. I, In my experience, it's not at all that way. And, you know, mind you, I'm playing on a regular Xbox One, not an X, so I shouldn't be getting the best experience by any means, and I'm not. And the game is still, you know, totally fine for the most part. Just little hiccups here and there, things that at this point I guess you would maybe pin more on very advanced game that's pushing the hardware capabilities of this generation's console more so than the game itself not very not being very fully polished so i'm not really sure where that problem lies but i think i mentioned it a little bit last week and i'll just reiterate other than that i i think hopefully by next week's episode i'll finish the game and i'll have some more concrete kind of thoughts on it but at this point i'm just i, I feel like i'm just kind of trekking along ticking the boxes, just kind of playing to get to the end. And that's never really a fun spot to be in with a game. But, you know, one possible reason for why that might be is because the other game I've been dabbling in a little bit, which, as you might be able to guess if, if you're even remotely tuned into the Xbox world right now, is, of course, Halo Reach. It's now on PC. It's now on Xbox One for the first time via the Master Chief Collection. And, oh, boy, do I love Halo Reach. Halo Reach is one of my all-time favorite Halo games. Honestly, outside of Halos 3 and 5, it's the Halo I spent the most time playing. It's I remember when it first came out, It was I bought it day one. I was super excited for it. I blasted through the campaign. It was the first Halo game I ever beat solo legendary and it was such a rewarding feeling to get that achievement for beating the game on solo legendary by myself as just a stupid little 14 year old fuck boy the multiplayer itself i just poured so many hours into it i remember never really fully understanding why there were so many kind of halo haters when it came to reach because i just thought it was so good even the many maps that were just retoolings of forge world never really bothered me i just had such a great time with halo reach and it's kind of this weird game that's just burned into my nostalgia as like the pinnacle of my freshman high school experience you know as someone who kind of hated high school this was like the one bright spot on my uh, on my freshman year of high school a year of my life I just really disliked having gone to a, a school that none of my friends went to Halo Reach was just that game that came out at the perfect time and was just this nice escape for me out of this situation I hated as a kid and video game in this set universe that I already knew I loved and it was just I don't know Halo Reach is a really special game to me I don't know why I'm getting into this much detail but I'm just personally really excited to see it available on Xbox One and, and PC for the first time, of course, and to see it just kind of updated and, and to see, most importantly, the thing that makes me way more excited than just seeing the game look refreshed and more modern and, and sexy or whatever is just to see people so excited about Halo Reach or Halo in general, just because Halo as a franchise really doesn't get any of the attention or respect it deserves these days. And that really breaks my heart because it really is, in my opinion, the definitive, most like interesting and exciting sci-fi universe. And I'm just always happy when I see people enjoying Halo and being happy. So it's a great week for Xbox fans. It's a great week for Halo fans. And if you haven't played it for whatever reason, or if you were maybe sour on it back in the day and, and haven't given it a try in a long time, do yourself a favor, 
go play Halo Reach this this week. It's it's a phenomenal game, and I'm just really happy to be kind of rekindling my relationship with that game. And that's going to basically do it for our pretty long intro here. So let's just jump into this week's news, of which there's not many stories, but there are some pretty notable ones. Let's just jump into this week's news with what is no doubt the biggest story. And thank God this story came out today because I actually wrote this podcast script last night and thought, oh, great, another slow news week. And then thankfully, this uh, this nice little nugget came out today, which is definitely a, a main show kind of topic. And that is that it appears that the Project Lockhart version of Project Scarlet, one of the long rumored and then somewhat kind of silenced uh, skews of Project Scarlet has kind of resurfaced. So, so the story reads, before Microsoft's concrete announcement about their next generation console, Project Scarlet, this past E3, rumors were going around claiming that Microsoft had plans to release two SKUs of their next generation console, one being codenamed Lockhart. Well, now, according to sources close to Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, it appears that Microsoft is still working on the lower cost, diskless version of Project Scarlet. While Project Scarlet itself seems to be intended as the main SKU of the next generation Xbox console, the Lockhart Edition will offer a nice alternative for those looking for a cheaper way to buy into next gen, as well as for those who no longer wish to rely on physical media. Essentially, the Lockhart would be to Project Scarlet what the Xbox One S All Digital Edition is to the Xbox One. Similar to how the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X are in the same console generation family, but offer different amounts of power, the regular Project Scarlet and the Lockhart would have a similar relationship. The more powerful Xbox would cater to those looking for 4K gaming running at 60 FPS, while the Lockhart offers more of an affordable way for gamers to take advantage of Xbox's newer and ever-growing popular services like Game Pass and Project X Cloud. While Microsoft, of course, hasn't commented on these rumors, there is likely some truth to them, considering Jason Schreier's track record in the game's journalism realm. So yeah, this is kind of a bombshell story because, you know, if you go back in time like a year ago when next-gen rumors started really surfacing about what Xbox was working on for the next console, it was this whole Anaconda and Lockhart rumor where the Anaconda was going to be the more powerful next-gen console and the Lockhart would be the more affordable entry-level one similar to like the Xbox One S and Xbox One X and the idea was that both SKUs would be released simultaneously in 2020 similar to kind of how the Xbox 360 got two versions you know the pro and the arcade version or I believe back then they call it the core version I don't remember exactly but yeah, this is this is a crazy rumor because earlier this year when during E3 when Microsoft announced Project Scarlet and kind of gave more concrete information on it, they referred to it as just one console. They didn't really refer to multiple SKUs of it and it was it just seemed like they were making, you know, the next Xbox. It would be like the Xbox One, how it only came out with the one version. But now it seems like all of a sudden apparently the other version is still in the works, which would, you know, make sense in 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 the way that if these next generation consoles are going to be $500 boxes, you know, if PS5 and Project Scarlet are both going to be $500 boxes, that's going to kind of ostracize a lot of the market and and scare off a lot of people from jumping to the next generation console considering, you know, $500 is a lot to invest to get into new hardware. However, if you can get people in the door with next gen hardware at a lower cost, you know, by removing the disk drive, making it a little less powerful but still powerful enough to be the next gen gaming console that's significantly more powerful than the one x and plays the next gen games then why not offer two SKUs to kind of cater to both markets the more hardcore i gotta have the nicest most powerful most new console and those who just want to play the new games but don't necessarily need all the 
extra bells and whistles that come with something like what Project Scarlet is claiming to have. So this kind of makes sense in this ever-growing console market where nothing makes sense. You know, I think this generation kind of broke a lot of conventions when we got things like PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, where it's just like, for the first time, we've seen these kind of interstitial console updates where the power difference or the or the updates of these of these kind of half step consoles really made a difference you know especially in the xbox one x where it's like this is significantly more powerful than the xbox one it doesn't entirely surprise me that microsoft's just saying you know if all bets are off we can do two SKUs of this console one might have a disk drive one might not one might ha- have solid state one might not you know so it's just who fucking knows at this point you know either way if there are two SKUs, one thing we can guarantee is that Both consoles, of course, are going to play Project Scarlet games like Halo Infinite and beyond. Microsoft is really pushing for this future of Project X Cloud and and Xbox Game Pass and things like that. And if you consider the portion of of the gaming market that no longer relies on physical media, it just doesn't make sense to force everyone to have a, a physical disk drive when, you know, it's like there are a lot of gamers out there like myself who just download everything to a console and play it that way especially for those who maybe just buy the console and then subscribe to game pass and say you know i don't buy physical i don't buy games at all i just have game pass and i play whatever is on game pass so i need the xbox to play games and i need the game pass to access the games but i don't need to go out and buy physical copies of games and insert them into my console because that's just not how i experience games and we're getting closer and closer to that kind of reality as we see game pass grow and take off more and as we see you know even xcloud kind of become more and more of a mainstay where we're going to have this future in not in not too long you know providing that project xcloud doesn't fail miserably which i don't think it will where players will be able to just say you know i don't buy physical video games i have i have game pass and when they're on the train when they're out and about they can whip out their phone and play xbox on the go when they're on their computer they can go ahead and play xbox wherever they are and then when they want that console experience they can sit down and play a game downloaded directly to their hard drive on their xbox lockhart they don't necessarily have to have you know the same the same kind of person who's willing to settle for a gears of war or halo like experience on a mobile device you know running off streaming technology is the same kind of person who isn't going to say my game absolutely has to run at 4k 60 fps so why not just offer them a cheaper alternative to get into the next generation because they're probably more interested anyway in the version that doesn't have a disk drive and doesn't you know have a solid state drive and doesn't hit every game at 60 fps 4k so why not just offer a way for them to get in so they can play these games without you know twisting their arm and making them spend extra money that might scare them away from the console in order to get this extra power that they may or may not be interested in so that's a really like long kind of rabbit hole way to think about it but honestly this just plays more into what microsoft is all about these days which is just choice 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 especially xbox just give people choices uh you know if they can't get the cost of the project scarlet down to, f- to 400 dollars from 500 which is many are speculating may be the case especially with the ps5 as well thinking that that's going to be a 500 dollars box then why not find a way to cut corners where it matters you know the least and offer a box that is a little more competitive to more of a casual audience or more of an audience that just doesn't give a crap about having the most powerful and sexiest and sleekest looking game experience so to me this makes sense to me i i kind of hope this is the case because i think the more options the more variety we have the better although i understand if you want to take the devil's advocate kind of side or approach to this you could always say 
Anytime you release two SKUs of a console, it's all it always spells trouble for the consumer because not everyone's a hardcore gamer that knows exactly what's going on uh, at every at every beat and every moment with uh, in the gaming universe. Some people just know, you know, I buy Xbox, I play Call of Duty, I play Madden, and then every eight years or so, a new box comes out and I buy that and I play the next Call of Duty, the next Madden. And for that consumer, it can be frustrating. Or, you know, for the consumer, like the parent trying to buy a console for their child, the parent that's not necessarily involved in gaming, but knows their kid wants the new Xbox. You know, it can be frustrating trying to determine which one do I need to buy? Which one? Why is this one more expensive than the other? Do I have to have the more expensive one? And, you know, having additional SKUs can really screw up the kind of not just the ease of purchase for the consumer, but also kind of your ability to control the messaging when trying to market this brand new big investment to, you know, the mass market. So I just to play devil's advocate, of course, there's that side of the argument as well. But I think in the long run, if you can convey, if you can convey what makes these consoles different in an easy and digestible way, I think this could prove beneficial for the market in general. Uh, it's just, you know, it, this is Microsoft we're talking about. They've never had a, a had a problem in the past with releasing confusing products or confusing naming conventions or just kind of confusing the market in general. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went ahead and did this. But either way, it's it's going to be interesting to see as we approach next year and get more official announcements if this really is coming. I, I think it is. I don't, I mean, Jason Schreier's almost never wrong about anything he reports. If, if he reports it, it's about as good as confirmed. So like it or not, there's likely going to be a kind of Xbox One all sad edition uh, equivalency of the Project Scarlet. So look forward to that if that's something you're interested in. Otherwise, um, we got we got a heating up kind of really interesting next generation ahead of us as we head into 2020. Uh, our next story, of course, this week touched on it a bit just a minute ago as we kicked off the show. But Halo Reach is now available on both Xbox One and PC, and PC players have already begun to do what PC players do best: mod and break the hell out of the games. So while official mod support for the game is still a ways away, although intended by 343 at some point, the community will have to use a roundabout route to be doing uh, mods and things like that in the meantime. So 343 employee 343 underscore Farn confirmed the ability to utilize mods by stating the following. He said on Reddit, Hi, we're still working to improve this down the road, but for now you will have the option when you launch to bypass anti-cheat. This will allow you to play games and play. This will allow you to play around in the campaign and custom games, uh, but will not allow you to play match made games. Um, so that quote basically just saying, you know, there is a way, there's a roundabout way to kind of get mods on, but of course you won't be able to take those mods with you online and kind of hamper other players' experiences. So you'll be able to mod while in private matches or while you're in custom online matches, but not really in like true online matches. So players will have to turn the anti-cheat back on in order to set everything straight and to allow for a true comp uh, competitive combat. This is exactly why I hate PC gaming. It's just taking a game and just breaking it, uh, which is also what kind of makes PC gaming fun, but it's just fun to hate sometimes. If you are uh, looking at Halo Reach, not as the opportunity to jump back into the wonderful universe of Halo, but rather as an excuse to go insert some Buffalo Wild Wing ads into Halo Reach, then by all means, now is the time. What I took away from this is the most interesting tidbit is that 343 is looking to officially add in mod support at some point. Uh, apparently, I did some research. Apparently, that was kind of announced months and months ago. I just missed it. So uh, apparently, this has been a known thing. I'm sure many of you have already known. But yeah, mod support is coming to Halo Reach and 
Uh, I assume that means the Master Chief Collection at large on PC. So uh, if you're looking to destroy everything that makes Halo beautiful, go ahead and look forward to that. I mean, actually, it will be fun. I mean, a lot of what Forge is is just basically like kind of breaking what Halo can be. So mod support will be like a, a glorified version of, of, of Forge. But I, I am interested to see how mod support on PC can affect Forge in general, especially as they've moved like everything from every version of Forge over to the Master Chief Collection. So presumably that will be coming to PC as well. So yeah, if you're looking to not play Halo Reach, but rather mod the hell out of it, that is a thing you can already kind of start doing. Uh, our next story is that Google has reworked some of their strict policies on video content for their ubiquitous video service YouTube that may improve things for many YouTubers out there. In a blog post released Tuesday, Google can Confirmed, quote, scripted or simulated video content found in games will be treated the same as other types of scripted content, end quote. This means that having cutscenes or gameplay footage depicting violence from a video game is less likely to catch flack on YouTube and receive that age restriction that has been so severely hindering some content creators. While this is only a small portion of slack that has been let in the already tight leash that Google has set on YouTube in recent years. This does make things marginally easier for those looking to get their content to a wider audience on Google's already limiting and politically one-sided video platform. What is perhaps most notable about this decision is that it comes at a time when Google is pushing their newer Stadia video game streaming platform, which works in tandem with YouTube and YouTube gaming. I know the story is written kind of with a harsh slant towards Google to make them look bad, but I, I loathe Google, so that's that's why I wrote that way. So honestly, I don't see this as Google saying, we hear you, YouTube community, we hear you, content creators, we know this has been frustrating, we're easing up on content. I see this as YouTube saying, hey, we got Stadia, we're really trying to make it work, it kind of came out to middling success, and we got to do everything we can to really support this platform for a little bit at least. So I see this as them kind of easing up on game content on YouTube for the sake of uh, salvaging and kind of catering to Google Stadia, which for those who don't know, YouTube plays a really large role in Stadia as you're supposed to be able to just like basic hypothetically like watch someone on on youtube gaming playing a game and be like oh that's an interesting game i'd like to try that and then just click the play on stadia button and then just instantly pop into a game because stadia is weird like that and that's what you do is you, you click on youtube and you're playing assassin's creed from three years ago all of a sudden i view this as a kind of ploy to help serve stadia uh, but nonetheless it is something that helps youtube gamers at large which is you know an important thing as we see more and more these days youtube just keeps tightening the leash and making things more miserable for literally everyone involved forcing you to decide whether or not your content is intended for kids as if as if everything is either for kids or not for kids but yeah i mean of course this is a, a high tide raises all boats scenario where of course while I see this as something to help Stadia, it could, of course, benefit YouTubers who focus content, of course, on Xbox or whatever. And I don't know how I've just said, of course, so many times in, in the past 10 seconds. But that is what it is for those of you who are content creators on YouTube. Just know that that your gaming content just got uh, just got a little more easier to start publishing and getting out there, uh, despite the fact that no matter what you do, it's pretty much impossible to get your YouTube videos out there to an audience because 
YouTube is works through a arbitrary and bullshit algorithm that really fucks over everyone, even the most successful content creators. And our next story is from Windows Central, and it's uh, that the Valley of Gods from developer Campo Santo has been uh, delayed or kind of indefinitely put on ice. So the Valley of Gods is a it w- was a game that was announced during the Game Awards in 2017 and set for a 2019 release date uh, from developer Campo Santo, the guys behind Firewatch. As we near the final weeks of 2019, it's become increasingly apparent that despite the game being intended for a 2019 release, it's definitely not coming this year. What's concerning is that the game has now been put on ice while Campo Santo uh, shifts focus on their recently announced VR game Half-Life Alex and other Valve projects. These new works are these new work projects are of course the result of Valve's acquisition of Campo Santo back in the spring of 2018. And confirmation comes from a statement on Campo Santos from Campo Santos co-founder Jake Rodkin, uh, what he, which he made to Polygon that reads. To fans looking forward to In the Valley of Gods, it's probably clear that the optimistic 29 at the end of the announcement trailer isn't going to be accurate. In the end, Valve time makes fools of us all. But yes, developers from the former Campo Santo team have joined other projects of Valve, including Half-Life Alex. As you can imagine, our experience in this first-person adventure genre is pretty relevant. You hear a lot of how that... Uh, you hear a lot about how at Valve you can work on anything you want. It turns out that's true, and there's a lot of work available. As we integrated ourselves into Valve, it became clear that there was a lot of valuable work to be done on Half-Life Alex. Some of us started lending a hand and have since become full-time on the project as it approaches launch. Similarly, some ex-campos are working on Dota Underlords, some are on Steam, and so on. So your answer to the question as of today is that In the Valley of Gods development is on hold, but it certainly feels like a project people can and may return to. And when that happens, we'll find an exciting way to let fans know. So that was his statement, and then I wrote here that the Valley of Gods appears to be another interesting walking simulator in a similar vein to Firewatch, but set in Egypt. For now, the game's future remains uncertain, but at least now you gamers finally have some uh, new Half-Life content coming your way. So this I found incredibly interesting because Campo Santo, I mean, their acqui- their acquisition from Valve was just an, a surprising announcement last year anyway, and now to see them kind of just slowly dismantled and, and spread across, I mean, not intentionally so, if this, if this statement is to be believed uh which i i I, we have no intention to think it's not believable um it's just that these guys were able to kind of spread their wings and do whatever the hell they wanted within valve and i i understand from the perspective of a developer you know if someone comes up to you and says hey i know you're you know you're deep in this game you've been working on but here's the opportunity to work on the next half-life game you got you'd be you'd be stupid to not say oh my god yes i have to take this opportunity so i totally get why developers at campo santo are you know quick to jump onto projects like half-life alex you know it's an opportunity of a lifetime to get to work on half-life and to kind of leave such an indelible mark and such a beloved franchise in the gaming industry so i totally get it but it really does suck for all of those including myself who were excited for in the valley of gods a game that looked like it was pretty far along and and seemed promising but then it was just kind of neglected and ignored and now we're just kind of left with this like oh well that's probably canceled personally i don't think this game is coming back i really do think it's canceled i think you know look at everything valve does they never come out with new games it's so rare that they do and it's 
it's just not likely there's there's just never this big pressure from anything at valve to like you know the audience is expecting this so we have to deliver it's always just kind of like make what you want to make when you want to make it and i've just become so accustomed to that that i see this as like okay this project's done and if it ever does come back whatever we get is not going to be anything like what we saw in that announcement trailer for better or for worse but um this is just a really crazy one for me because uh, I, I had actually seen some people point out like, hey, wasn't In the Valley of God supposed to come out this year? And then we find out, well, I guess it looks like a lot of those people that worked on Firewatcher suddenly working on that new Half-Life VR game. So just what a crazy world we live in that, you know, one day you think Half-Life's never coming back. The next day it's the people that made Firewatch are working on a VR full-fledged AAA Half-Life game. It's just such a wacky reality. But Nonetheless, uh, that's your update on In the Valley of Gods. Uh, if you're looking forward to it, I'm sorry, I was too. You're probably not getting it. And like I said, if you do, it's not going to be what you were initially shown all those all those years back in 2017. Our final kind of wrap-up story this week in our slower, smaller news week is that uh, Ubisoft's uh, Avatar game is actually not canceled. It's actually still in development. So back in 2017, again, as you might recall, Ubisoft announced that a AAA game set in the world of James Cameron's Avatar was in development from Massive Entertainment, Lightstorm Entertainment, and Fox Next Games. Well, we now know that despite the game going dark for over two years, it is still in development, actually. This means that, yes, the acquisition of Fox from Disney and the Avatar IP has seemingly not affected plans for this open world game to be released into our world. The confirmation was made by a simple response tweet from earlier on Tuesday when a Twitter user, MJ underscore Chadwick, asked whether or not the project had been canceled, to which the official Avatar Twitter account replied, quote, still being developed, exclamation mark. A long dev cycle for this game should come as no surprise, as between the initial film, its slew of sequels, its highly immersive theme park land at Walt Disney World, and now its video game, seemingly everything associated with the Avatar brand gets caught in an endless development cycle of delays. Ubisoft says that they will not release the game before the fiscal year 2021, which begins actually this April, uh, April 2020. Uh, so while it's almost impossible that the game will be coming out this spring, it is safe to say that the game is likely going to be a next generation game probably something for Scarlet, Lockhart, whatever the hell all that's going to be. So that was one I, aside from the fact that, you know, it's just kind of a smaller news week, a slower news week. So we're going to include some, some smaller news stories. I just thought that was crazy because I remember this game being announced and being like, oh, that's so wacky. I can't believe they're going to, why would they make a game, you know, based on Avatar in 2017? It just feels so irrelevant. And now it's like, oh wait, it's still, th it's still a thing. It's still coming. And what I almost wonder is that this delay actually has something to do with the you know, ever delayed sequels. I believe the sequel, I believe this, the second one is supposed to come out next, next fall or was it delayed to 2021? I want to say next fall 2020. So it's just, I wonder, you know, if they're trying, they're just trying to line things up so they can kind of use the, the marketing hype of the second movie to kind of capitalize on the, the game itself, or if maybe they just need the time, the game's not coming along, or maybe it's kind of like what uh, Square Enix did with the new Avengers game, and they're just kind of like, hey, we're going to tease this game way too early, go dark for a long time, and then show it when we're ready. I mean, it's kind of weird that they just like openly admit, yeah, hey, the game's still in development, but they have nothing to show, and they have like no explanation as to why they've gone dark for so long, especially considering a company like Ubisoft, which is always so vocal about their games and is always so excited to be announcing and showing new looks at new games they have in development it's just so interesting to think that this game is coming from ubisoft and yet we still just haven't even seen gameplay of it i'm sure this is something we'll see at e3 now that 
they've kind of openly talked about it, especially because, you know, with it being a kind of what they call physical fiscal 2021 game, uh, it's got to be coming relatively soon to next generation hardware. So I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out as early as next fall, if they try to pull like a Marvel's Avengers thing, where they're just like, let's give it like a, a 10 month hype cycle or something like that. But I mean, then again, you, you never know. Maybe the game is like in development hell. And when we finally see it, they're going to be like, yeah, this game's like two and a half years out because we just had to kind of start from the ground up after we announced it. Either way, if you were looking forward to this Avatar game, which I guess I kind of am, I don't know. I, the theme park, the Avatar land at Disney World has made me such a fan of the aesthetic of this movie that I think I'd be willing to give a video game set in that universe a try. So who knows? Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's news. I know it's kind of less of an exhilarating and, and long and fun news week, but nonetheless, uh, at least that story about Lockhart and Project Scarlet kind of saved us a bit. So it is a brand new month. So we will go over this week, this month's Games with Gold. We have four new games coming out. I hope you guys are ready for them because they're all awesome. For the month of December, uh, beginning uh, for the entire month of December, uh, the first game you got there is called Insane Robots. Uh, so you can download that all month long. And then you got Jurassic World Evolution, which is arguably the biggest game of this month's Games with Gold lineup. And that will only be available beginning December 16th and running through January 15th on Xbox. One uh, and then your two 360 games are going to be Toy Story 3, which will be available for the first half of December. Uh, for those who need a little refresher, that is kind of the the precursor to Disney Infinity. It was made by Avalanche Software, uh, and then the Toy Box mode that game kind of inspired Disney Infinity, which was a game I really really loved and was heartbroken over when it was canceled. Uh, so definitely check out Toy Story 3. It's actually a really good game. And then the other Xbox 360 game is Castlevania: Lords of Shadow: Mirror of Fate. HD, um, which will be available the second half of December from the 16th through New Year's Eve. And just a reminder that that's one of the 3D Castlevania games, which fans of the series are a little bit divided on, you know, because some people swear Castlevania should never be in 3D, but nonetheless, it seems like it's kind of critically an okay game and kind of worth your time. And hey, it's free, so stop complaining, right? Uh, and then we've got our new game releases of the week, of which, you know, I don't know how, but there are 18 new games this week. I guess people were steering clear of Black Friday and the holiday. And so now we, uh, so people were steering clear of the holiday, but now we are getting um, all the games that should have come out last week and all the games that are coming out this week kind of thrown at us all at once. So let's, uh, let's go over these new game releases, uh, beginning with uh, number one of 18. We've got Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition, which comes out uh, December 3rd. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Neverwinter, it is this it is this Game of Thrones game where you play as a knight in armor and you and you're basically yes you're fighting dragons, yes you're fighting goblins, but you're also fighting off winter. Um, so you go on quests to like find coats, you go on quests to like erupt volcanoes, just things to kind of. Um, I, I believe there's a whole quest line about like prematurely inventing the automobile to kind of add carbon emission into the environment to kind of um, speed up the process of global warming, uh, just anything to fight off winter so that it is truly never winter. That's a game you can play if you are a global warming denier or climate change um, denier. Uh, but our next game is Life is Strange 2 Episode 5, which I, I believe is the final episode of Life is Strange Season 2 or or Life is Strange 2 rather, which now that it's finally finished, it's time for me to jump in and play this because I loved Life is Strange and Life is Strange Before the Storm and Captain Awesome, so I cannot wait to finally jump into that. Our next game here is Tools Up, which comes out December 3rd. Now, Tools Up is a game 
where it's like, you know, people say like bottoms up. Well, now they say tools up because it's a game about it's a game about uh, Home Depot construction. And I really don't have anything for that one. We got Arise, a simple story, which is out on December 3rd. This is one of those artsy games where there's like a flower and there's like a little boy and an older man kind of in the similar vein of, of the game Flower or Journey or God of War 2018 where there's like a little boy who's learning from an older guy and there's a flower and it's very emotional and it's very whimsical. And then after that, we've got, of course, on December 3rd, Halo Reach, which is Xbox One X enhanced. It's Game Pass for consoles, it's Game Pass for PC, and it's even on Steam. So for those of you uh, who are fucking stupid and haven't ever played Halo Reach, stop everything you're doing and play this game because it's fantastic. Um, it's basically about like these. So it's it's so for those who are unaware, Halo Reach is this game. It's about this guy whose wife died in a plane crash in 9/11. He lost his wife and child. And he's like suffering from kind of the post stress, post traumatic stress, and and the trauma of that loss. And he runs into this old friend of his that he went to dental school with, and he kind of rekindles this friendship from from his old friend back in college. Uh, but his friend realizes kind of the post traumatic stress he's under, and kind of the toll it took on his life. And it's just very like emotional story. Uh, and it's just really, I don't know. It's 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 really it's really crazy because despite Halo usually being more of a comedic game, this is more of one of it's a dramatic takes and i think that players will really enjoy that kind of story so again if you haven't played it definitely do so uh our next game here is called trevor saves the universe it comes out december 3rd um it's basically one of those movies about the cgi teddy bear uh that plays with the adult human man what's his name uh andrew goldberg and um and that's that then we've got simu simulacra it's a um fmv horror game so Basically, this is one of those games where, like, they try to scare you, and you're in the Chuck E. Cheese late at night, and you have to tap on the animatronics, and then they pop up and they get you. Um, but it's the thing that makes this different is it's FMV, so you get to see real girl scream. Uh, her name is Anna, and it's just a it's just a terrifying game. So I definitely highly recommend you go back in time about two months and play that during Halloween. Uh, and then our next game is called Everreach Project Eden, which is one of those sci-fi spacey games that looks a little bit like Halo, a little bit like No Man's Sky. So you've seen a bunch of that. We got Big Pharma, which is like a fucking assembly line simulator. Um, so that's dumb. And then we've got Seacarts, which is exactly what Seacarts sounds like. It's an anime game where you play as kids with sushi hair and you fight guys in the in the robots in the wilderness. And then the men become stronger and the women learn to respect the men more because that's apparently equality in some world. And uh, Don't Die Minerva, Minerva is our next game, which is more of like a 3D um, anime game. So you play as a little boy in this game and it's anime style. Um, and then it gets like a five-star rating from a kid with greasy hair. My friend Pedro is finally coming to Xbox on December 5th. You may recall that was a Switch game earlier this year. And then we get Kerbal Space Program Breaking Grounds on December 5th. I thought that game was already on Xbox. Maybe this is like a definitive edition. Maybe it's not. Regardless, for those of you that don't know, Kerbal Space Program is this movie about this guy whose wife and child um, are tragically killed in the events of 9-11. And he's 
suffers his post-traumatic stress and then rekindles this relationship with a friend of his from college. And his friend kind of watches, you know, this once happy go lucky guy um, kind of falling apart from his traumatic loss. And it's just really emotionally devastating and definitely recommend it. Uh, and then we've got this next game is called Wander Song. It's out December 6th. It's one of those 2D rhythm games. It's like Parappa the Rappa, except not good. That's why it's on Game Pass because it's got to be free because no one wants to pay for that. Next, we've got Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey. Uh, the screenshot shows a couple monkeys climbing on this tree. The game's called Ancestors. It has a picture of monkeys. I'm assuming this is some kind of like biblical game um, about, you know, kind of how God made monkeys and they evolved into tinier monkeys and then they compounded with snakes and apples and turned into humans and that's how the world was made and then our next game is called immortal planet it looks it looks like one of those isometric dungeon crawly um indie games that you can play demons tilt speaking of which this is like this actually looks weird it's like a pinball this is a pinball game isn't it it's on game pass Oh shit, I'm not going to make fun of this. This actually looks cool. So this is on Game Pass. It's a tribute, it says, tribute to 90s video video pinball games featuring modern effects. Okay, I'm actually going to play this when this comes out. So including bosses, secrets, and unprecedented depth to please video gamers and hardcore pinball enthusiasts alike. This game is called Demon's Tilt. Definitely check that out. It's on Game Pass. It's a pinball game, and I'm really excited to actually try that out. Uh, next game here is called Free Diving Hunter Spearfishing in the World. It is a fishing game, but the cool thing about this is instead of fishing with traditional like fishing gear, you actually are going to fish with guns. So you can take anything from like an Uzi to a rocket launcher and basically just obliterate your fish. You pick your target. It can be anything from like a mahi to like a goldfish to uh, a straight up you know cold blooded whale shark, and you can just and you can just mow down that that fucker in the ocean. Um, so that's a pretty cool game if you hate ocean life as much as I do. And that's going to do it for our many, many game releases of this week. And not only is that going to do it for our game releases, that's basically just going to do it for this week's podcast. As always, I greatly appreciate you enduring my miserable voice for 40-something minutes and in um, putting up with me and just allowing me to talk into the void as I do once a week for an hour at a time. If you are a fan of the show, please remember to check out my Patreon. It is the only way to buy my merch. My merchandise is awesome. It's made in America. It's made at a really a low cost so that I make a lot of profit off of it. And then for those of you at the producer level, I want to shout out your names real quick um, so that you can get the recognition you deserve for giving me $50 or more a month to do Xbox on. Without your support, this show literally couldn't happen. I know a lot of people say, you know, your support is what makes this show possible, but I want to let you know your support is literally what makes this show possible. My microphone, my computer, my internet connectivity, my energy bill, all these things would cease to exist if you did not listen to this show. So I want you to know that without your support, this show could not and would not exist. So yeah, definitely a big shout out to all you guys. Please don't forget to follow me on social media. It is the only thing that validates my existence. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Invisible Tape, and I'm on Instagram at Office Worker. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Of course, we're going to end with a little song from my buddy Eric Hudson. Eric, you guys hear Eric? All right, Eric, take it away. <laughs> 